Well, this morning, I want to talk about uh, two forces that have been at work kind of throughout the course of human history, and they work uh, in kind of opposition to each other, in tension with one another, uh, but I really believe that these two forces have kind of been, these two ideals have been kind of driving humanity and human history forward through kind of out the ages, and they're the ideas of, of freedom and community, and so what you can see Throughout any, any period of time, any human civilization, any kind of thin sliced moment in history, is that there is always some tension between the amount of freedom and the amount of com- community that people engage in. A really easy example for this is not related to human history uh, so much or historical kind of anecdote, but it's one that my friend was telling me about the other day. He called me, and he has, a, he has a five-year-old girl, and he was telling me about this situation that happened to her the other day. She was outside playing, and like many five-year-olds do, she has a great imagination. And so she came up with this game that she was playing in, and she was doing it by herself in the front yard. And he was kind of watching through the window, and after a couple of minutes, as happens, she kind of got a little bored playing this game by herself. And so she comes, and she knocks on the, kind of on the, you know, the, front door there, the kind of the screen window. And she's like, hey, daddy, will you come play with me? And he's like, no, no, you got it, baby. Go ahead, like, do your thing. She's like, yeah, but I want somebody to play the game with me. She was missing community. She was missing the presence of relationship because what we know is in her life and in our lives is the presence of relationships that imbue meaning in our life. So inevitably what happens just a couple of moments later is a couple of little friends who live across the street and down the street, they see her out in the front yard playing. And so they come out and they want to join the game that she has made up that she's playing. And so they start playing together. And my buddy's watching all this, kind of recounting it to me. And inevitably what happens is uh, they stop following the rules of the game that she's created. And so in this perfect moment, we see the tension that we have experienced since the beginning of human civilization. We want community. We want people around us. We want to be in relationship with each other. But it comes in tension with kind of the amount of freedom that we want to experience. She wanted people to play the game the way that she created it. She wanted them to abide by the rules that she had constructed. Well, for her friends, they wanted to play with her, but they didn't want to follow all the rules that she had made. And so there was this immediate kind of push and pull, this tension between the presence of freedom in their lives and the presence of community. And so kind of all throughout history, humans have tried to navigate what the proper balance and the proper tension is between freedom and community. And you can kind of look at any culture at any moment in time And everybody has their own definition for what the proper balance between these two forces or these two ideals are. And we can look back at kind of forms of government and identify, well, that was probably, you know, too restrictive or too controlling. There there was too little freedom in that moment at the attempt to promote community. At other times, you can see periods of time where you're like, okay, there wasn't enough, there was too much freedom. Kind of people were running amok and there wasn't enough control over the world. And so we've always trying to navigate what the right balance is between those two ideals, those two forces, freedom and community. Now, what I want to caveat this by is uh, oftentimes as a pastor, because we talk for a living, uh, what uh, are the impact of our words gets confused with the intent of our words. And so a lot of times a lot is read into what we're trying to say as opposed to what we're actually saying. And so let me just caveat this morning. Uh, I'm not saying anything other than exactly what I'm saying. 
There's no hidden message. It's not like a dog treat, you know, I put like some medicine in a pill pocket. This is not what I'm trying to do. So in your attempts to maybe try to fill in exactly what I'm actually saying or read between the lines, there's nothing there. Now, you may apply this to your own lives or to the world at large the way that you'd like, but I just want to caveat that before I get some emails. Because you'll do it. You will. You will send me those emails. Um, But what I'm actually not interested in is uh, weighing in on what the proper form of government should be or the kind of the specifics of how government should interact with its people to answer the question, what is the proper balance between freedom and community? That's not my place, and I'm not educated or informed enough to have an opinion on that that I think is, you know, something that you should listen to. But what I do have thoughts about is as people of faith, how we should apply our faith to that question. The lens of our faith that we should look through that informs how we respond, independent of how government does or doesn't respond the way that we want it to. And I think in the world that we live in today, there are lots of opinions about how the government should and shouldn't do things and how we should agree with or disagree with the way the government does or doesn't answer the question between the tension between freedom and community. And instead of weighing in on that, I would rather point us to Scripture this morning to look at what Scripture says about how as Christians we're supposed to navigate that tension. Because the tension is always there. Parents of teenagers, you know this. You are trying to give away more freedom for the benefit of your relationship with your child. But sometimes too much freedom causes problems. Sometimes too little freedom causes problems. There's always kind of this attempt to try to navigate what the proper balance of freedom is. We do this with the boundaries that we set in our interpersonal relationships. You do this at work with the people that you report to or the people that you report or that report to you. There's always this attempt to navigate what the right balance is about the amount of freedom that we have. But I want to look at a particular letter in the New Testament that Paul's writing to a church. And the reason he's writing this letter is for this exact same reason. It's because it's a group of people who are wrestling with the understanding of what the proper balance is of how to navigate the tension between freedom and community. Now, a little bit of backstory about this letter is um, kind of at the beginning of the New Testament when the church is started, there's this shift in understanding about Um, how to move forward in the world. Previously, this group of kind of Jewish believers uh, had an understanding that the law would inform all that they were to do. The law kind of dictated what it looked like to be in community with other people. And the law was not just uh, religious, but it was also political. And so it was interwoven in a way that it's not today. But the Jewish believers, they looked at all of the laws that they were to follow. And the attempt, the intent behind the law was to promote community. Once again, there's always this attempt to try to navigate the proper kind of calibration between freedom and community. And so this is what the Jewish religion was trying to do. It was this understanding that if we could all follow these rules, then we would create this ideal ideal civilization, this ideal culture, this ideal community that not only would promote the flourishing of individuals, but it would help us draw closer to God. Well, after thousands of years of this, Jesus comes on the scene, and he clarifies the intent behind these laws. The intent behind the laws was not for the sake of the laws themselves, not to restrict people's lives, or to be used as a weapon to try to segregate or separate people from each other, to create distinctions or class systems, as it kind of been, you know, evolved into over the course of kind of Jewish history. Jesus is trying to clarify that the whole point of the law 
is really to help you love God and help you love others well. And so then with Jesus' death and resurrection, there's this shift in understanding about the ways that we can be in relationship to God. It no longer has to come through obedience to the law, but it comes through faith and belief in Jesus Christ. And on that idea, the, the Christian church has started. This new group of believers, this new group of followers, they begin to try to navigate the world with this new understanding of the proper balance between freedom and community. Well, inevitably what happens is when a group of people kind of let go of kind of one system of operation or one way to control and rule the world or to navigate the world through a series of restrictions, people rebel against that. People don't like when you kind of upset the established order. And so what you have is kind of this sect of Christianity who's starting to drift back to and merge back to an old way of doing things. They still believe in Jesus, but they're also trying to adhere strictly to the laws that they had in their Jewish faith. And in this comes this, this tension, this push-pull between one group of Christians and another group of Christians. And so Paul is writing in to this group of Christians in a place called Galatia. And the reason that he's writing in is because they've taken those rules and reinstituted those rules in their everyday practice of faith and religion. And Paul's saying, listen, you're missing the point. The point was that we have this newfound freedom apart from these rules and these laws, but you're requiring people to try to follow them again. It's like you're missing the point in this. And then he says a couple of things that I want to look at today that I think should be the lens through which we continue to navigate life in this cultural moment that we find ourselves in in the world, in this political climate that we find ourselves in. It's a lens that I think we should apply to every aspect of our lives because it helps us navigate what the proper balance is, I think, between the tension of freedom and community. And so this is out of the fifth chapter in Galatians. And this is what Paul writes. He says, you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. And then he caveats it. He says, listen, you've been given this newfound freedom there are fewer restrictions, there are fewer rules, there are fewer guidelines on the way that you're supposed to live your life. There's more space. You've been given a longer leash than you've ever had before. Only, here's the caveat, only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence. And let's hold there for a second. And the reason that he caveats it is because he knows what human nature is like. He knows our tendency. Anytime that we have an extended curfew, or fewer restrictions, or more permission, the natural urge and inclination is to leverage that for our own benefit. It's like when a teenager gets a car for the first time. If the conversation is like, hey, listen, we're giving you this car. This is a privilege. This is not something that you are obligated to have. And so one of the conditions of this newfound freedom and privilege is that we want you to help mom and dad get your brothers and sisters to and from places. This is a reasonable expe expectation. I see lots of elbows this morning, so you're welcome for that, parents. But this is kind of the tension that we navigate. We say, listen, we're not just giving you the car because we want you to have as much freedom as possible. No, no, no. There's a caveat to the freedom. It's not that you just get to drive wherever you want and stay out as long as you want doing whatever you want. Like, no, there's, there's some responsibility that comes with the freedom that you find. We need you to help out around the house. Don't just use the freedom for you. It's, it's, this idea is echoed in kind of that famous line from Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, nothing, all of it's stolen from Scripture. Even the Marvel Universe. This is this idea that Paul is trying to communicate to people. Say, listen, 
we as Christians have been ex- you know, exposed to this incredible amount of new freedom in our lives because we are not required to follow all of the Jewish rules. And that freedom is not just for our benefit. The purpose of the freedom is not so that we get to do what we want, when we want, whenever it feels good or feels right to us. That's not the purpose of the freedom that we've been given. And he goes on. But instead of using your freedom and leveraging it for yourself, for your own self-indulgence to do whatever you want, here's the way that you should use your freedom. To serve each other through love. Now here's what's interesting about freedom. Kind of like this inside joke of freedom. It's always one obedience in exchange for another obedience. Like we think that uh, I've gained this type of freedom, but really we've just changed where we're obedient or what rules we're following. And so Paul wants us to be aware that, listen, just because you are experiencing freedom in your life in this particular way, it's not for the benefit of yourself. The freedom that you find is not to be leveraged for yourself, but it's to be leveraged for other people, for the benefit of other people. Now, today in America, this sometimes is kind of hard to think through because we don't know anything but freedom. We've become so desensitized to the overwhelming amount of personal freedoms that we have is that in many ways we lose perspective on how through the course of human history, freedom has often at the very least been suffered to achieve if not, you know, life sacrifice to acquire. It's always been an exchange for the service of others, for the betterment of others. Today, it's harder to see that. So I think when you look around the world or you look around our just local culture, it's easy to see the ways that our freedoms have been leveraged for our own indulgences. And Paul's saying, listen, as people of faith, as Christians, that's not the way that we're supposed to act. We're supposed to view this differently. And so for us, the question is less about kind of our, the governmental freedoms that we experience, but we all have like unlimited freedoms in so many categories of our life. Financial freedoms, relational freedoms, emotional, mental, physical freedoms. We have so much opportunity to dictate and guide the course of our lives. And Paul's saying, The temptation will be to guide it in a way that feels best for you, to choose kind of your own adventure uh, only through the lens of what you want. And Paul's saying, listen, as people of faith, as Christians, you have to rethink and reframe your understanding of why you've been given freedom. And what Paul says here is he says, listen, but serve each other through love. The purpose of your freedom is to free you to serve other people, is to free you to leverage your freedom for the benefit of others. He says, all of the law, this thing that you have escaped, this thing that some of you are tempted to run back to because of the way you think that it promotes better community, all of the law is satisfied. It is fulfilled. It is contained in this very act of loving your neighbor as yourself, of serving each other through love. Paul's saying, listen, the freedom that you're experiencing is designed to allow you the most potential and the most opportunity to love your neighbors, to love each other well. And then he goes on, and and he ends with this. He says, but if you bite and devour each other, be careful. 
that you don't consume each other. And this imagery that he's using is literally kind of the way that like birds of prey kind of pick at carcasses. You know, you've driven down the highway. I don't have to explain in detail that imagery. But this is kind of that idea of picking and biting each other. And when I look at like our media outlets, when I look at social media, when I look at just kind of the general sentiment and tone of people in the world right now, in America right now, in our community right now, I see a lot of this and a whole lot less of the other. I see a lot of biting. I see a lot of devouring. And Paul says, if you continue to do this, if you continue to criticize and attack at the attempt to restrict the freedoms of others, to promote community, he says, you're going to consume and destroy each other. He says, there's a better way to navigate this tension. There's a better way forward. There's a better lens through which you can view how you're supposed to live this life. And he gives it to us. He tells us it's through service to one another. It's through self-sacrifice. Jesus shows us this. What feels like the ultimate loss of freedom in Jesus' death on the cross ends up being the ultimate gift of freedom to the rest of humanity. That's what seems so counterintuitive about the Christian life and the Christian message. It feels self-sacrifice, serving others, loving your neighbors well, feels like a restriction on your life. It means that you have to do things differently. It means that you have to reframe and rethink about your life differently. It means making choices that sometimes feel restrictive. And as people in this day and age, we don't like restrictions. It doesn't feel good because all we've known is untold freedoms. But what Paul is telling us and what Jesus' life shows us is that when you restrict yourself for the betterment of other people, it is what's able to create the flourishing and the meaning that we all long for in this life. I think that's what's beautiful about the sacrament of communion is this isn't like a piece of pie at a family gathering where as you slice it up and slice it up, there are fewer and fewer slices available to the next person. This is not a zero-sum game. What we find in the Christian faith is that the more that you give away, the more that you discover, the more that is available. That's what's beautiful to me about communion. Is this is, we believe that this is Christ's body that is still to this day, 2,000 years later, continuing to be given away to promote life and to promote the betterment and the flourishing of everyone that comes in contact with it. And Paul is saying our lives are supposed to be used in the exact same way. And so maybe this is a little atypical of a Labor Day message. You're like, yeah, Memorial Day was a couple months ago, buddy. That'd have been better timed. But I do think that independent of the forces that happen in the world around us, cultural, political, social, as people of faith, we're called to live differently. We're called to view life in a different lens, to act in a different way, to identify and recognize all of the freedoms that we've been given, and then to use that and to leverage that to serve others around us. And my hope and prayer for us as a church community is that we would do that, that we would get that right, that we would begin to recognize all of the opportunity available to us to serve each other and to love each other well. And in that way, we continue the tradition of Jesus and we fulfill this command from Paul.
Let me pray for our time together as we get ready to celebrate communion. Gracious God, we thank you for this opportunity to partake in this sacrament of receiving your, your body and partaking in your blood. God, your life that was given for us to remind us that our lives are supposed to be given for others as well. In this way, we, we follow in your example. God, help us to remember that ultimate freedom is found not in pursuing our own paths, but following in the one that you have set for us. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.